Sleeping is something we all do, but it's not always as simple as hopping into bed and nodding off. For some, catching 40 winks can be tricky, and not enough sleep or having poor quality sleep can seriously affect our mental health. The good news is that there are many things you can do to get a better night's sleep. Kath Walker is an RFDS mental health and well-being consultant, and she knows a lot about the topic. I caught up with Kath and began by asking her how important a good night's sleep is to our mental health. Sleep, I think it's one of the things people talk about the most when they're having difficult times. It, it's really something that we feel personally that it's very important that we get enough. And if we don't get enough, we, we often feel the worst for it. So it does seem to be essential for our overall health and well-being just as much as when we talk about healthy diet and, and other lifestyle activities. One of the things the research has really looked at is about the connection with sleep and how the body recovers and learning, memory. Some of the areas we, we're only just starting to discover through research now, the important connection. What happens if we don't get enough sleep? Well, there's, I mean, there's the, the sort of obvious, the, the fatigue we can feel and that irritability and the impaired concentration. But there's also just the, that less energy and, and the effect that it has on the overall daily functioning is, is one aspect of it. But there is evidence sort of indicating that it's, it has a, a role in high blood pressure and some of the heart problems and difficulties people experience. So it, it's really linked, the poor sleep long term is really linked with things like cardiovascular disease and depression, there's uh, links with diabetes and certainly with things like post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, drug and alcohol use, anxiety. And what can cause poor sleep? Oh, there's so many reasons there. There's so many different sleep problems that we can experience and a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's the short term as, as people are finding it present. They're under stress in isolation, for example. They have normal lifetime stresses and griefs and loss that can cause a lot of difficulty with sleep. There's physical illness, there's pain. And then things like the, the everyday, the, the too much caffeine, too much alcohol. Shift work interferes with sleep. So it really is something that can have underlying medical causes or certainly be associated with psychological causes and mental health difficulties. So do we all need eight hours of sleep a night? Well, eight hours is nice. I know I enjoy it when I get it, but it doesn't always happen. There's no set rule. You know, we have a huge amount of variation in... You always hear about people, oh, I'm fine after two hours and other people need 12. It does seem to be that the average is around this sort of, they'll say, six to nine hours with adolescents needing more, but they don't always get it, and older people perhaps needing a little less and would like more. So there is a big variation around the cycle. We talk about the the sleep being controlled by the circadian rhythm, which is over, you know, your, your normal body clock is set for around 24 hours. And, and in there, about six to eight hours could be good. But it's all around these 90-minute cycles that we have over an evening sleep. How can we tell if we're getting enough sleep? 
The best is yourself, is your own, how you feel during the day. It, there's a lot of people I've spoken to over the years that say, oh, I'm not getting enough. I used to get eight and now since I've been working in this new job, I'm only getting six and it really worries them. But when you say to someone, well, how do you feel? Oh, a bit tired when I first get up and then I'm fine. Then it's sufficient sleep. So it, it, it's sort of important to think about that because we can become anxious thinking we're supposed to get these eight hours and it's actually really to do with how you're feeling and performing that's the most critical aspect of it so what can we do to get better at sleeping there's lots of different types of sleep problems the strategies um, are really designed to sort of look at at what the actual sleep problem is but as you were saying if you're waking a lot during the night and not feeling great in the morning you can just look at the very practical to start with the Sleep onset's not something we can always control. We could, we need to create the right conditions, and that's what we need to do during the day as well as the night. So, for example, during the day, you look at things like your routine. You know, our our bodies and brains seem to like routine. So, if you're getting up at different times each day and you're getting to bed late some nights, that's not necessarily most conducive for for setting the right conditions. So. Things like getting good exercise during the day, your your nutrition, that you're eating well, that you're getting light during the day and that activity and relaxation. And the the really important thing I've found with trying to assist people over the years is really helping them put the day to rest. You've got your worries and the concerns that, that don't necessarily just switch off. So to try and find a way of winding down in the evening, setting a bit of a routine up, and not drinking too much is a pretty critical thing. People often think, lovely to have a couple of drinks at night. If it does stay with the one or two drinks and it's earlier in the evening, perhaps doesn't cause a problem. But, but if you think, oh, it's going to really re- relax me, then that's actually going to do the opposite because it interferes with sleep. So there's some of the very obvious things are these, what we now call sleep hygiene. So it really is your lifestyle, the exercise, the good diet, the limiting the caffeine and smoking, knocking them off certainly very, you know, much early in the evening and getting at sort of regular bedtime routine seems to be really important. Getting off the TV, getting off the screen, not sitting in bed, reading and working on your computer. So so getting the room, you know, the right temperature and quiet and, and somewhere relaxing. Another really critical thing does seem to be for people too that they, particularly if they are having certain problems, is getting into a relaxation technique and learning it and practising it so you can actually switch off a lot of that hyperactivity that occurs in your brain on command. So you've learned a slow breathing technique or a meditation or relaxation that even if you're not asleep at night, Perhaps you can just lie there and do that. And that's a restorative process for the body and brain as well. Most of us, we nod off and, you know, that's the last we know of it. But what is actually going on when we sleep? It's it's actually known as a very active process. And as I was sort of mentioning earlier, the, the circadian rhythm is really the controller. It's, for example, as the light starts to go in the evening, your melatonin level goes up. And that's that's starting to basically tell the brain that it's time to slow down and go to sleep. And it makes sense. We seem to evolve to sleep at night, so it gets dark. You get yourself in a quiet, safe place and and off you go to sleep. But it is still a very, very active process, what's going on overnight. And during the day, 
you have other neurotransmitters are the ones that keep you wakeful. So it's all really tied in with blood pressure and temperature, heart rate, and these cycles are, are very much, you know, the, the start of the night, you, you've just drifting off to sleep. It's quite light. You can wake up quite easily. And then as you go in that first sort of 90-minute cycle, the sleep gets deeper and deeper. And, and you might end up with, you know, something like, you know, of that 90 minutes, you might end up with about 40 minutes of, of deep sleep in the first cycle. And then you go into a dreaming state which we all know about the the rapid eye movement or the dreaming state, and you sort of wake between these 90-minute cycles. Now, if you think you, you've really woken up then and start worrying, you might think that you haven't slept much for that whole cycle, but in fact you actually have. Hopefully you don't get too caught up in that thinking or the ruminations and you go back into a light sleep again and then deeper, deeper for the next 90 minutes. It does seem from a lot of the research that we've been getting over the the last decade is is that that you can do very well with just some deeper sleep good quality sleep in that say first three to five hours that if you're getting good quality then you may be feeling quite fine during the day so there's a hell of a lot in it Edwina it's really complex sort of process that we just think oh damn I've got a rotten sleep again is it true that it can be bad to wake up halfway through one of these sleep cycles is there any truth to that there is. It takes a bit of practice and a, a, and a fair bit of time, and it's something I've been practicing myself and not necessarily great at. But when you, un- particularly under times of stress, what happens? You you wake up in one of the say the end of ninety minute cycle. Wake up, bang! Oh, straight away thinking about what's happening at work or what I'm going to do the next day. If you've worked on a lot of your sleep routine during the day you'll have skills there or strategies you might be able to use like I I just say okay I've thought about this all day I'll leave it till tomorrow I'm sure I'll worry again tomorrow so let's just switch that one off and think of something else and go into my relaxation that because I've practiced it before I can at least lie there being relaxed rather than worrying and ruminating I always think the other thought that comes into my mind is ruminating is just for cows it's useful you chew away at the cud you get every bit of nutrient out of that food that you're eating but it's absolutely useless for me at 2 30 in the morning don't switch off so what can shift workers do to make sure they're getting enough good quality sleep well again you do as much as you can during your working shift so things like um, yeah, the brain wants you to go to, to sleep at night. So obviously to, to, to do a night shift in a hospital, it's not really a good idea to be feeling sleepy at three in the morning, which is pretty common. But if you've got exposure to bright light, that certainly helps. You you have to try and create this, the conditions that keep you awake during the night. And then when you're going home in the morning to try and start a, a routine again to slow you, yourself down because you've been working all evening, and also just to start switching the brain towards feeling sleepy. Obviously, you don't want to be doing that in the car, but you don't want to be running around the place doing all your shopping. And you try and get into a point that you, you get a routine again, that you've got a quiet bedroom when you get home. You don't necessarily have a huge meal. You you get yourself sort of cosied up and ready for sleep, putting the worries of the night away. And Again, not feeling too anxious when you do find that you might sleep a few hours early and then wake and then not get back to sleep again for a while. It's just trying to do as much as you can to try and and make the conditions right that you've got a chance of getting to sleep. And if you're not, staying relaxed and just trying to do the things that 
that can help you get good quality rest. What can we do to get back to sleep if we're stressing and ruminating in the middle of the night? It, look, again, it is a practice. It's something that, you know, if it happens occasionally, something's, you know, different just happened that day and it's woken you up, it's not necessarily a problem. But if it's something that's chronic and it's occurring all the time and you've got a lot of stress and responsibilities and worries and fears going on, then it, it's something I talk to people about managing during the day as much as you can. So, you know, with a lot of stress that's that's occurring at present or occurring with people, it's uncontrollable. They're, they're things we can't do anything about. We can't do anything about COVID or people that went through the bushfires or people that are going through droughts or people that are just worried about their kids. So you look at what's controllable in your life and what's uncontrollable. And certainly by problem solving things during the day, you can actually be saying, all right, this is as much as I can do, or I'll go and get some professional help. It could be useful. I'll manage everything I can during the day or sometimes people even pick a certain time, we call it worry time, like, okay, four to five o'clock, that's when I'm going to sit there and worry. And then after that worry time is you can actually say to yourself, well, I did it between four to five. Have I thought of anything different? Has anything changed? No, it hasn't. Okay, well, it's evening time and it would be probably good if after your worry time you'd actually built in some relaxation time. Now, it could be relaxing like doing some exercise and going for a walk with the dog or it could be the sort of relaxation that is a trained bodily response when you're doing a something like a progressive muscle relaxation they call it so you focus on the toes on your right foot and relax you focus on your ankle and relax your shin your thigh your upper body so you go through all the various body parts and just relax them and so the body learns to relax on cue this is when we hook people up to various monitors and can look at their brain waves. you actually see that they go into a sort of rhythm called alpha rhythm. And this, again, is a type of brainwave, like we have deep sleep brainwaves and light sleep brainwaves. The, the, this alpha rhythm does seem to be very conducive to being able to sleep later or at the time, but it's also good in its own right. So rather than you at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'll check in with you, in a week or two to see if you've been practicing any of these things because it is all practice effect if you're doing your relaxation during the day you're doing your exercise during the day you have your worry time you have your problem solving time when these ruminating thoughts just kick in at whatever time you can say no that that's enough i've done that today i'll either practice one of my strategies or it's time to get up and not just be lying there worrying do something boring, something quiet, something without too much light stimulation. And that's one of the strategies we suggest uh, as you, you really first to go to one when people are trying to get to sleep at night and they toss and turn and worry. Just get up and wait again until the, what we call sort of this sleep pressure builds up and you feel sleepy again and then go back and try and sleep. So when do we know that our sleeping patterns are so disrupted or, you know, problematic that we should go and seek some help? When does it become a problem? I think with lots of health things, we're, we're often not very good at, at knowing when to go and get help. And I always say, well, why not err on the side of if you're putting up with some persistent health problem, which it's sounding like you're describing, if you're not sleeping well, on a, on a frequent basis and you're not feeling good during the day, 
it would seem a really good idea to get things checked out because there's a lot of medical psychological reasons that cause poor sleep and you can get help for it so an obvious good thing to do could be to go to your GP there's excellent resources online now about sleep Um, there's the sleep health foundation there's reconnection there's beyond blue there's all sorts of ways you can get more information about it rather than just putting up with a persistent problem so I'd suggest you don't have to diagnose yourself. It's usually not a good idea. I'm not very good at it, and a lot of my friends and colleagues aren't. Just take as the cue, you're not feeling good on many days of your week. You don't really know what's causing you. You haven't worked out what to fix it, so, so go and get some professional help. That was RFDS mental health and wellbeing consultant, Kath Walker. I'm Edwina Stott, and this was the RFDS Queensland section podcast. Thanks for listening.